Hey everyone, my name is Jason West, and this is PodClass. Man, do I have a good show for you today. My guest, Miriam Korn, is an actress who has been on network TV shows, national commercials, movies, plays. She's kind of done it all. She's one of those, oh hey, it's that girl kind of actresses. As in, when you see her on screen, you're like, oh hey, it's that girl. In our interview, we talked about Miriam's childhood and her family's connection with education, how she got into acting, and why she's trying to quit Hollywood to become a teacher. At one point in the show, I asked her to describe her ideal classroom, and she did a pretty good job. Only about 30% of what she said was completely hilarious. And I'm not sure how she did it, but we also talked a lot about me in this interview. Maybe it was Miriam's circuitous nature, but she managed to turn this interview around on me more than once. I'd start asking her questions, and then like five minutes later, I'd be like, wait a minute, who's giving this interview? Anyway, I'm still in the process of figuring out if she's going to take my insurance or not, because I don't think I can afford all the therapy she gave me in this episode. Oh, and another thing before we start the interview. I need to reveal the winning title of the short-form podcast. Alright, so, going back. This is a comedy show about education, and when I couldn't come up with the title for these mini-pods, I, well, just started calling them mini-pods because I needed a placeholder. But because I wasn't convinced that the title of mini-pods was any good... I started to brainstorm and I crowdsourced ideas for better titles. I received, I mean, I received a bunch of suggestions and figured out the best four and put them up on my Instagram stories last week and asked everyone to vote on the winner. And the winner is mini pods. That's right. After all that work and all of my waffling, I ended up right back where I started. And again, this is a comedy show about education and I can think of nothing more hilarious than the fact that I wasted three weeks of my life trying to make a loser out of a winner. Lesson learned. Lesson learned indeed. Oh, and one last thing. I'm announcing a contest for a $50 Amazon gift card at the end of the show. That's $55.00. So be sure to hang around for the outro to learn more. Think of it as one of those Easter eggs like you see at the end of every Marvel movie, only instead of Samuel L. Jackson showing up, it's still me but I'm offering you hard cash. All right, that's it. Let's start the show. But first, a quick fake commercial break. Today's episode is brought to you by Teacher-Made Bathroom Passes. Have an extra hubcap just sitting in your garage? Turn it into a Teacher-Made Bathroom Pass. That's right, Teacher-Made Bathroom Passes, because you have to pee, and the whole school should know it. school and then you went to a four-year college sure not even a community college I mean I was very naive also growing up and so now you know like I meet lots of actors and some are very smart Mm -hmm. and also have like are intelligent and have street smarts Mm -hmm. and some people I didn't realize dumb people exist they exist yeah yeah they're they're everywhere yeah I didn't know that I, mean, I didn't know that till after I graduated college. A lot of them are running our country currently. Yeah, um, yeah a majority. Yes. I think that's actually a really great segue. Welcome to yes. my show. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> the world is on fire, but we are here. 
Yeah, yes, we great. are. Thanks for, uh, thanks for coming. Thanks for having I me. I appreciate you giving up time in your day in your summer to, uh, to just talk about nothing, nothing of importance. I'm super and excited. We could sit here and we could talk about anything that Trump is doing and that feels important, but we're oh, just sitting here. Let's not. Two that people just in a makes me want to vomit. Yeah. Well, this is our new dystopian hellscape that we are living in. So uh, on that note, hey, hey. happier topics. Um, so most people, I mean, you and I've known you for a while. Mm -hmm. uh, you are an actress, very talented. Thank uh, you. You've had quite a bit of success in your career in terms of you've had national commercials, you've had uh, leading roles, you've had support. You, you've kind of had a lot a to build on. A little on. bit. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, sure. I've done. I mean, you're some not like mobbed stuff. when you walk down the street, but you, you've made a living doing this. Some years. Yeah. <laughs> some years not. So I want to take it back quite a bit. Okay. Uh, high school. Yes. Right. Tell me about the kind of student you were in high I school. I was a friggin' nerd. I loved school. Loved school. I loved homework. I was such a goody-goody. I was so naive. I, I grew up in Orange County, so I was one of the only Jewish people there, and all my friends would always try to get me to come to Bible study early, and all I wanted to do was celebrate Christmas and be like everyone else. Visit the Easter Bunny. Yeah. Oh my gosh. An Easter egg hunt? No, Passover. You can have this really, yeah. really long ceremony and eat eggs. And maybe you, if you're lucky, you get to color like, the All eggs. my friends have chocolate eggs and I have salt water and bitter herbs. And a three hour Seder. And then, uh, yeah. yeah. So you already felt out of place growing up. I and mean, then on top of that, you were a theater kid or did the out of place feeling that you grew up with lead you to becoming a theater kid? No, actually, and to be honest, I felt like I belonged. Mm. I know some people are like, I hated high school. I loved high school. Great. I played sports. I was a really good student. You are speaking Went a completely foreign language to me right now, but I'm loving are you it. Go ahead. Okay, so I was in when I remember being in AP US history, and Mr. Selston was my teacher, and I friggin' loved him. He was also my cross country coach, and my notes were so friggin' good that someone stole them. Wow. Someone stole my notebook, ripped out my notes, and gave back the notebook. And he had a talk with the class <laughs> really about stealing things. That's really considerate. Like, look, nothing personal. I'm sure you could use this notebook. I just got to take these notes. <laughs> I know. I'm not trying to steal your stuff. I just need these notes. But here's the notebook back. And they back. were excellent notes. That's like, it's like a, if a mugger came up to you and was like, uh, I don't need your wallet. I just, I just need your money. You can keep your wallet. You can keep your photos. I just need your money. That would be really considerate. Doesn't happen. No, 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 no. That's not. have you ever been mugged? I have not. Me neither. I also haven't lived in LA long enough. My husband's been mugged. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's a it's a crazy world. Yeah. Trump is president. We're, how do we get back to this? Let's I don't get know. Back let's 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 leave happiness. This. So you so had anyhow, an amazing teacher. I was really I was a really good student. My dad was a professor. He was mm. also a math teacher. I remember being in ninth grade and him saying, uh, "Bye, honey. I'll see you at school." And I'm like what what and he was substitute teaching at the time and he's like oh i'm substituting for mrs haas this is class which was my geometry class That's i'm like oh shit this <laughs> is gonna be terrible even though i love my dad we're really close sure. but like you're living parent, nightmare though of course especially in high school year. oh my gosh especially freshman year and i remember being in like first period english class afterwards and one of my acquaintance friends came up to me and she was like oh my god is that your dad i think taught my math class and I was like, uh, okay. She's like, he was so cool. Does he tutor? 
I was like, oh, you're this pimping is... your dad out now for side businesses. Yeah. Yeah. He was amazing. When I got to class with him, he, he, I, I was still supposed to call him Doctor Corn, and he went by the doctor, which you know. Amazing. Anyhow, my wife's a doctor, and I. But she's a she's a medical doctor. She is a medical and doctor. And not that it, the other doctor isn't a real doctor. It, oh wow, I'm opening up a whole nother can of. Well, words. no, but I was gonna say my. One of my goals in life is because I'm uh, an antagonistic human being. One of, my go- one of my goals in life is to get a PhD and then be on an airplane and somebody says, is there a doctor? And I can stand up and say, both of us are doctors. <laughs> and then on every piece of mail, have it say, Doctors West. <laughs> and just, just make it impossible to be around. I actually, like a part of me thinks... Oh, by the way, they're, they're not a doctor, but the other the part airplane, is, by the way. I know, I totally hear I'm it. I'm telling you, it's like it. living in the scene from Wayne's World. Also, when I go back and listen to this, mm-hmm. I will hear how many times Obsessively. I say totally and like. Yeah, mm, perfect. Not good. I'm going to edit all of them out and it'll be the most unnatural conversation <laughs> anyone has ever had. <laughs> I can't wait. Um, when I tutor, I'm really nice. If someone gets something wrong, instead of saying no, which I should just do because it's healthy for people to hear a good no occasionally. I say, oh, let's try something else, or oh, that's not quite it. I mean, it's sometimes I'm tutoring math. It it is either a yes or a no. No, know? but I think that's actually really important. You know, when my students uh, raise their hand to volunteer for something, and it's, I mean, <laughs> it's it's way off base. Uh, you know, you want to not shame a student right. in a way that prevents them from wanting to try again, right? So right. it's okay to be wrong. And this isn't, you shouldn't feel judgment for being wrong. The judgment you should feel is uh, for being wrong and then being okay with being wrong. And oh, that's interesting. And not wanting to learn how to be right. Uh, so, you know, if a student gets something wrong, I always try to find a way to turn it into a positive. Um, and it always ends with, you know, and thank you for, 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 for trying or thanks for raising your hand or thanks for, you know, whatever. Um, Right, I had to retrain my mind to, to say thank you every your, time a student participated. That's so good. Yeah. Because it can be scary to raise yeah. your hand yeah. and not be right. hundred percent, especially as a teenager. Oh, I do not miss being a teenager. I, I had a, I remember as a teenager, I had a, I was in a class and, uh, no, I wasn't even a teenager. I was actually younger. Um, but I, the teacher said, can you name all the countries in North America? And I was like, I know this answer. I no problem. And I raised my hand and I was like, Canada, America, Mexico, South America. And everyone laughed and the teacher said nothing. He just kind of laughed about it and then moved on and was like, so South America is not in North America and then moved on. But I was so mortified. First of all, the fact that I still remember this like That's 20 amazing. years later. Were you in seventh grade? What, I, yeah, I'm, I was like in middle school. Wow. Um, but I was... It was a mortifying experience, and I don't think I participated in that class very much after that because I just, you get so afraid of being yeah. wrong and being made fun of. Uh, and the fact, like I said, the fact that I still carry that baggage, <laughs> I should probably let it go, but. Therapy, yeah. so <laughs> healthy. Yeah, you me, I can lay on the couch right now. You can help me out. I've been told I might make a good therapist. <laughs> might. Maybe. That's a real non committal compliment. <laughs> Okay, so your dad would sub. You were a great student. Oh, oh, oh. So anyhow. You felt um, like you belonged. So we're in this fifth period math class. And speaking of doing the exact opposite of what you do. Perfect. Um, 
this guy who's who's on the water polo team, super conceited, mm-hmm. really like almost bully like a kind of an a hole. He raises his hand like a nineteen eighties teen movie villain with the coiffed hair and exactly, the exactly just a couple decades later. Perfect. Um, and he, this kid Christian, raises his hand, answers something, and my dad just stares at him in a confused with a confused look, and says, "My dear friend." You are so far out in hyperspace, I have no idea how you even came upon that answer. Wow. And it was like, it was friggin' bold. I mean, my dad was very feisty. We got kicked out of three different temples. Like, he he just said what was on his mind. And it was the Uh, first time I. Too radical for the. He got kicked out of one school district because he got. That's not even that bad of a statement to make. That's just. That's, like I said, that's very eloquent for a math Oh, he was very eloquent. Teacher. Eloquent. Well, because he had his PhD in literature, his undergrad in math, went to Juilliard uh, for violin. He was like this Renaissance man. Yeah, yeah, But anyhow, not the point. I was just, I was like, yeah, dad. And everyone laughed. And that kid probably has issues maybe from my, like, he's like you. He remembers <laughs> Every time he sees statement. the plus sign, he curls into he's the like, fetal position. not doing it, not doing it. But I was kind of proud of him. And I was like, oh, my dad's cool. And I don't know the point of that, but your story remind like speaking of being scared to speak up mm-hmm. if you get the wrong answer. Yeah, I was that kid in my algebra class. I would want to ask questions because I had questions, mm-hmm. but I was so worried that no one else had the same question that I would raise my hand. Miss Adamson would call on me, and then I'd be like, "Never mind." And I did that so many times she oh, banned so me annoying. from raising my hand. I was that annoying person. Oh no. I but was, then you were just going to go home and ask your dad anyway. Yeah, that's true. You know, like, nah, yeah. never mind. I'll just ask my dad. Yeah, it's yeah. It's fine. And one winter break, I just had to do math all winter break so I could go a year ahead in math. Sounds <laughs> like a really fun household. <laughs> that was the worst winter break ever. Okay, so uh, so the to get us back to the direction Sorry. of our conversation, I was asking you about the kind of student you were. 20 hours later. You, were, you said you were a really good student. Yeah, I was a really you good felt student. felt like you belonged. When did you get into acting then? Oh, I'd always loved acting from when I was, like, from a... When I was eight, I started doing musicals and stuff like that. And I actually auditioned for OSHA, and I, which is Orange County High School of the Arts, mm-hmm. at my high school at the time. And I did not get in, so I started playing sports. Um, but it was what always sport? something that I wanted to do. I played tennis. I ran cross country. I ran wow. track. I swam. Um, and that's it. You had a lot of energy. Did I? I guess It so. sounds like it. Great yeah. student. All these sports. An actress. I'm tired thinking about this. I need a nap. I need a nap always. That's always <laughs> having kids or a kid. Yeah. You were a highly caffeinated kid. No, I didn't find caffeine until later. See, then yes, you had a lot of energy. I must have had a lot of energy. <laughs> I must have had a lot of energy. That's how it works. If you hadn't discovered caffeine and you were able to do all those things effectively, just or the fact that you even attempted all those things, lots of energy. Boundless. This is great for my self-esteem. Tell Boundless me more. <laughs> Wait, what were you? Were you completely different as a high schooler? I mean, what I was. was, a, I was a, uh, no, I was. I was a latchkey kid. Oh. I, you know, would see my mom for dinner. Maybe she would go off to her second job. Uh, spent way too much time uh, watching TV. Uh, I didn't know that. Oh, I was a terrible student. I would be that person that. Uh, just wouldn't even pay attention. Every once in a while, I'd come to life and I'd participate, and the teachers would be like, who the hell is this kid? <laughs> like, why aren't you like this every day? If you clearly have this ability, 
why don't you do this? It's so funny because I think of you and you have so much to say and so much to add. No, I, I, <laughs> I received three in-school suspensions in high school, four, ditch, I, see, I see the look in your face, four ditching class. But here's the thing. I never ditched a class in my life because I was too afraid that I would get in trouble or whatever. Um, but there was, you know, the teacher would make an error in attendance. And so I'd say, oh, they made a mistake. And I'd go to the teacher and I'd say, I was here yesterday. And the teacher would say, well, okay, well, what do we do yesterday? And I'm like, I don't, like know. I don't know. I didn't pay any attention. I zoned out for the full 45 minutes to an hour or whatever. I have no idea what we did. And they're like, well, you clearly weren't here. I was like, I was. Well, I feel like that brings up something else that's interesting because everyone has a different learning style. Mm-hmm. And some people's brains and bodies, especially boys, don't mm. work well having to sit and learn stuff. And you can't, I mean, I don't know, maybe that's an excuse, but I see like now having a little yeah. son who loves running around. Sure. And even with my kids that I tutor and teach, they don't all learn the same way. And some of them that will be bored true. as all get out. And I know there's certain things that you have to do because you have to do them. Right. And that's just the way it is. No, there are definitely different learning styles. I think for me, I think the biggest problem that I had that was never addressed uh, by the adults in my life was that I was just kind of, I was rudderless. I was just sort of there. Uh, I had no intrinsic motivation. And I certainly didn't really have any extrinsic motivation either. Right. And nobody tried to talk to me about it. Nobody, I was just like, well, he's just going to be that kid and he's going to float through and kind of lose at life and, you know, oh well. When did you start writing? Oh, I was writing in middle school. Okay. I just sort of did that on my own. And, you know, I remember in high school recognizing that I had an ability to focus. I, I always thought I couldn't focus. They tested me for ADD three times. Do you not? And I never came up as positive, um, but they tested. They, they were, man, they hoped and prayed that they'd have the reason, and it was just, I just didn't pay attention. And they thought the reason why I didn't pay attention is because I had ADD. It wasn't like I was bouncing around or misbehaving in class. They were just like, well, he must have ADD because he can't focus. And I took a... I took a like a film television class uh, in my high school, and I remember sitting in front of the old analog editing bay, and I was working on a five-minute thing that I made, and I sat there for about two and a half hours straight, and just was just I mean editing to the tenth of a second, and I finished and I was like, oh I could have sat here for two more hours like I was just locked in, and I got an A in that class. It was one of the only classes I like passed, essentially, uh, in high school. and But again, no other teacher knew that I did so well in this class. There was no communication. There was no, um, I don't know what's going on with this kid. Is he doing well in your class? Because my media teacher would have been like, yeah, he crushes it in my class. He's really focused. He's on it. He's motivated. There was... It's not something that we do in education too much. I know that there are teachers out there that do make that effort, and yeah. it's a growing movement to, you know, it takes a village kind of thing where there's a lot of team work in terms of dealing with challenging students. But to me, as much as, yes, there are different learning modalities and types, for me it was more about they just left me. You know, there was just 
there are the haves and the have-nots, and I just wasn't worth the time to, to focus on. You know what I mean? I didn't cause trouble, but I didn't add anything of value, so they just sort of ignored me. And that was sort of my high school experience, and that's something that I carry through uh, in my teaching, is that I just, if I see a kid who is just sort of there, I, I make sure that I don't forget that they are there, which is hard, admittedly, because you'll have kids who are really difficult. Yes. And they take all your attention. A lot of space. And, and you have to be mindful of the fact that if you're paying too much attention to one end, you're missing everything else, right? Yeah. The kids that you teach mostly, are they... Like, oh, that's my, that's my lot in life, is that now I have to teach students that are just like me, where I just want to shake them and be like, you know, if you put in any effort, you would be so much better. Do they... But, like, what's the economic bracket that they're in? Oh, it's, it's wide-ranging. I have students that are of affluence, and then I also have students who are of poverty. Majority of my students are either of poverty or, or working class. There are just a few that are of affluence, but... Um, Do they look at you and think you are of affluence? Or that oh, you grew up of affluence? People my I would. whole adult life assume yeah. I have, uh, that I am of affluence. It's just sort of the vibe I put out, uh, for oh, better or worse. I'm so heartbroken right now. <laughs> anyway, this isn't about me. It kind of is, though. It, it, no, this is about it, you. Or it's wanna, not meant to be. Okay, gotcha. I want to gotcha, learn gotcha, more gotcha. about you. Uh, so, at what point did you decide you were going to pursue a career in acting? Uh, after I graduated from UCLA. Okay. Where'd you go to UCLA for? I got a communications major with a minor in business. Mm. And what were you thinking at the time when you I did that? I was, in essence, going through multiple internships, realizing what I didn't want to do. Mm. Didn't want to do marketing. Didn't want to do talent management. Didn't want to, at the time, I was too scared to be a teacher. Mm. Right out, out of UCLA, I got my stuff so that I could substitute teach, and I was just too afraid because I am the worst with discipline. Not anymore, not since I've gotten older, but... It, it also, I mean, as someone who understands this this lifestyle, when you look young... Oh, it's the worst. It's really, it's, it's, it's so hard. Because I feel like I actually at that time might have looked younger than some of my students. I mean, I still get... Stopped. Oh yeah, you look so young. At my school, at my school, I still get stopped. Well, do you need to make sure you wear dress-up clothes so that? Oh, you and that's the other thing is that I don't dress like gotcha. an adult, but um, that's also my personality. I'm like, look, this is 21st century workplace. I am dressing like I got jeans. I got my zip-up cardigan. I am set. At least but, you have a zip-up cardigan. It's yeah, not a zip-up hoodie. I mean, some, well, sometimes I do wear that. Okay. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I get stopped. Where's your hall pass? And I'm like, uh, I'm a teacher That's here. Hilarious. Also, I have a wedding ring on. And, I love that. Yeah. That's kind of amazing. Yeah. So I understand. When when you look young, it's really hard to be like, yeah, I don't think I'm the was, authority. That, that wouldn't happen to me anymore, but it discipline. definitely would have then. Yeah, when now we're old. Yeah. Yeah. Feels good. <laughs> okay, so you okay, back to. get into acting. Um, What's yeah, the first yeah, thing I, you do? I did this little, I, I did a feature film based on the Jungle Book. And I was like mm. one of the kids being told the bedtime story. Like, right. That wasn't a bedtime story because I was older, but like being told the story and then it would come to life and other actors would. How old were you? Um, probably 20, 21. And how old is the character you're playing? Like 16. I would say like 14. 15, yeah. 16. Perfect. Like young. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. And from uh, that point on, you, you got the bug. You're like, I got to do this. I'd always had it. And mm-hmm. I just felt like once I graduated from college, then I could do what I yeah. 
creatively wanted to do because mm. I was such a goody goody. Yeah. But I always thought I was in my mind. I was always really shy. And I remember being in 12th, <laughs> no, not 12th grade, 10th grade. This amazing teacher we had, Mrs. Zig. She was so frigging good. She was an English teacher. And she made me move seats because I was too talkative with the people around Hilarious. me. And it was the biggest compliment I'd ever received up to that point because I thought you think I was that I can super talk to shy. People? It's amazing. You get into acting. You are, by all accounts, pursuing your passion. Okay, yes, right? I am pursuing my passion. And something starts to shift within you makes you want to go into education what sort of well initially it was I mean my dad was a math teacher what was your Um, mom by the way my mom is a photographer so Um, I could see you have this dichotomy of yeah yeah yeah. and my dad also was a violinist he went to Juilliard for violin Mm -hmm. and he definitely renaissance dropped out of Juilliard because his uh, his coach that he wanted took on um Yitzhak Perlman who is a super famous violinist like internationally famous and he was pissed that he didn't take him so anyhow there was education in the family and one summer I just TA'd for my dad who was teaching math at Poly in Long Beach here and um I just always knew at the end of UCLA I knew I needed a job and I knew that I was smart. It's one of those things mm-hmm. that, you know, when they ask you, okay, what do you know for sure? Well, I'm smart. I might not be street smart. I'm definitely probably not super street smart. But I saw that you could interview for this job at Prince Review and it was in essence like an audition. Mm. You had to teach something non-academic and take a test. So I did that and I started teaching in classes. And, oh, and that's when I started drinking coffee. I always felt like I had to be super duper on. So I'd go to Starbucks and get a venti oh, drip Every coffee. teacher listening is like, yep. Yeah. And I would, I would have to have that before every class just so that I was like basically talking like this. Okay, guys. Oh, what? Oh, you're bored by this? I'm an, and my like life mission was to make people not bored by the super boring topic. Once you became a teacher, that's when you discovered the need to be perpetually caffeinated. Yes. As we all learned in this profession perpetually caffeinated mm-hmm. i mean this is this is my third coffee of the day wow yeah mm-hmm. this is my third tea ah, the there you go and this shan't be my last this even well, though it's summer break i'm like now i have tea's not so much an addiction to caffeine tea it's just is fine an addiction like... to the lifestyle of drinking tea yeah i love it i just, just love meditate it. i am a, as my students my students call me a tea chur that's very cute. It's pretty great. That is amazing. I will gladly wear that moniker. So you've discovered caffeine, the need for caffeine. You bring your performance abilities to your class. Well, I don't know about that. But I started teaching, and at Prince Review, you can't tutor until you teach. So I feel like I taught for two years. And I remember one year te- teaching this all-boys school um, in La Cunada. It, it was terrible. And this is sort of when I decided not to pursue the substitute mm-hmm. teaching because <laughs> I just couldn't, I wasn't good at discipline. Uh-oh. And also I did something dumb. I was just starting out. So I did a game show, not really a game show, like a dating show, a dating TV show, right? Mm-hmm. It's called The Fifth Wheel. Oh, yes. Yeah. 
So and they found that. You found that? No, I'm saying, and here oh, it is yeah. now. Here's the clip. And here no. it is. Um, <laughs> no, I'm so saying the kids found it. it it aired or it re-aired during when I was teaching at that school. And I think it aired on a Saturday night and I came to the school on a Sunday or whatever. That doesn't even matter. And holy crap, they teased me mercilessly, got yeah. nothing done in that class. Mm-mm. And I was like, I've lost control of the classroom and I'm never, ever getting it back. Mm. And I barely, barely got it back, but not really. And it was, it was brutal. It was it was um yeah yeah I mean the whole experience is really tough yeah it there, was there, I'm trying to think of a way to rebound from being no there's seen no on rebounding a teen dating like show. basically like doing shots off someone's yeah like stomach and <laughs> uh, it was really bad yeah yeah and then the kids make fun of you for it and you're just like you don't even know oh how they the I story. mean they have every right to make fun of it it was make funnable material it was terrible sure. Like yeah. I would, it would, yeah, not my finest moment, tell you that much. <laughs> Fed worse, but not my finest. So now we're at a point where you're, like I said, you've done movies, you've done TV, you've done commercials. A little bit, yeah. And, not, not much. But now you're, you know, you're looking to transition over. You had a kid. You're looking yes. to transition yeah. into teaching. What kind of teaching are you looking to get into? I mean, honestly, in my ideal world, sure. because I live in L.A. and I tutor lots of high schoolers and mm-hmm. I know the differences between the school and at the private schools I tutor, all the teachers talk to one another. They know what kids need help with what. Mm-hmm. It's lovely. And yeah. then... So are you hoping to... I, I So in my ideal world, I'll just say this, I would love to work at uh, like an amazing private school that Quinn could go to and we could get scholarship we could get help yeah because it's just not in our budget oh, I mean, at it's, all it's like not at nothing all. is affordable and, and it's LA. fine like there are elementary schools and middle schools that are mm-hmm. good in LA if you're in the right school district but I haven't found a high school yet even mm-hmm. Malibu which we couldn't afford anyhow sure it's not that like parents think it's good but it's not so you're gonna you want to teach in a high school what kind of do you want to teach theater do you want to teach I mean, English no. do you want to teach math I mean, at this point, I would actually want to teach at an elementary school. Oh. Elementary or middle school. Just something. You, you threw me for a curve. You set me up with all this high school talk. Well, I love high schoolers. And then, boom. That's predominantly elementary. who I work with now. That's who sure. I tutor, high schoolers. Love mm-hmm. that age. Um, but now that I have a little kid who's almost two, I actually love, I love kids. Sure. But I've, I love younger kids, too, now. You'd be hard-pressed to find a teacher who doesn't. They know they exist. <laughs> You'd be hard pressed to find teachers who don't like kids. I know. It's kind of the prerequisite of the yeah, job. Yeah, I feel like once in a while there is. Every once in a while, like, though. Why are you the, teaching? Like, this is a mistake. You definitely don't even like children. <laughs> so now you're looking. I mean, I think it would be really cool to be a teacher. Do you want to do the higher teacher. end of elementary, like the fourth, fifth grade, or do you want to do the lower end, like kindergarten first? No, higher end. Okay. Higher end or middle school or. I mean, in my ideal weird hippie world, I would teach and then also teach meditation to kids. I think that'd be amazing. Like, that would be a dream. It's totally a thing. Uh, Yeah. Middle schools often have theater programs that aren't fully developed. And so those teachers um, do like a 50-50 split between theater and... uh, I was at a school where it was theater and yoga. 
uh, oddly enough. Yeah. Um, so if you could sort of find your I mean, it's so niche. healthy. Yeah. When I was, I was... I mean, and it's, and it's L.A. I'm surprised they don't even have a, a well, full yoga class. I mean, I feel like TM is sort of taking a hold, and they have programs to go into schools to teach transcendental mm. meditation. Is that um, something that you do on your own? Yeah, I just... I've been meditating since I was 22, but I just took the TM class a couple months ago. But when I was teaching at Valor, this public school, public, I want to say low-income school in, um, it doesn't matter where it is, wherever it is, the kids were so great, but it was so hard for them because most of them, English was their second language. So Mm -hmm. to take a standardized test that's tricky, oops, that's tricky in and of itself, it was so hard. And I'm teaching in a classroom setting. And as you know, I hate disciplining right. people. And there was one or two kids. I just went <laughs> through okay? puberty for a second there. Right. <laughs> right. Um, there were one or two kids that were definitely very loud. And, and oh, okay. I'm just going to keep going on tangents. I need to stop with this. But one of the days I... I was like, okay, guys, we're going to start class with a little meditation. It's not in any way religious. It's not even spiritual. We're just going to do this and see how our clarity is afterwards. Did like a short three-minute meditation. And they're like, can we always do this before class? Because it just puts you in a state Mm -hmm. that you can really focus. And maybe that focus will only last five minutes. You know, I would do that with my students as well, uh, especially when there was like a week of standardized testing or anything like that. And what I found is I say we're gonna do we're gonna do this for five minutes. And that five minutes of just quiet listening and focusing on what you're thinking about, the kids would always say, I felt like it was twenty. I felt like it was twenty minutes. And they would just be so much more relaxed the yeah. rest of class. Yeah. And the kids, you know would come up to me afterwards and say, you know, I would like to do that at home, but there's never going to be five minutes of, of quiet uh, at my house because I have my cousins and my this and whatever. And that was something that really stuck with me and something that I've been really wrestling with. And actually this year, my goal is to start every class with just two minutes of just, let's just focus. Um, especially after the lunch hour or the yes. lunch time, I might actually push that yes. up to like four or five. And, you know, people are worried, oh, I'm going to give up instructional time. And we already are limited in how much instructional time oh, we get in terms of we have so much content to hit. But my thing is what you're using in this time for, you know, to meditate and relax and focus, you are saving in the amount of time that you have to stop the class to discipline students totally. or to give them a refocus you, you you burn two to five minutes, you end up saving 10 minutes. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. So I, I, I 100% agree. Yeah, actually. And with um, what you could tell that student who was like, I don't have five minutes of quiet. That's a cool thing about transcendental meditation. It's a mantra-based meditation, and you don't need quiet. Hmm. They always give the example of a woman sitting down in the middle of Disneyland and, and doing her meditation. You don't need quiet because your brain is never going to turn off. Right. Like maybe you might have like a five second moment where you're not thinking any thoughts but your brain won't naturally like your brain's job is to think you know Mm -hmm. so you can do it where it's noisy and that's okay and it is it going to be easy no but it's 
it's doable and that way you don't need quiet. Right. Yeah, I don't know I don't know much uh, at all about transcendental meditation. It t- part of it is the fact that I could barely say the word transcendental. Um, that was great. But gold star. Gold star. Perfect. Thank you. So uh, or whatever t- I don't care what time it doesn't even matter. But I, but I do think that the idea of just taking a moment to yourself is super yeah. important. Um, and and you know kids are so bombarded. Yeah. Uh, with and everything these days. And it's good to just give them a yeah. moment. That's and you're just right. For them. Also taking that moment mm-hmm. it will probably make other things go more smoothly. I know when I'm doing my meditation and I actually do it and I do it twice a day, there is so much more time in the day. It's like I'm weirdly more efficient. Mm. I don't do it all. I don't do it twice yeah. a day often, but when I do also because your brain actually gets downtime mm-hmm. and so it's functioning at a higher yeah, higher level, for a higher sure. rate. So last I want to circle back to the elementary school thing and then we'll wrap up. Oh, right, right, right. So you want to teach upper level elementary or middle school. You want to do something that's a little bit more artsy, a little bit more holistic. Yeah. Uh, what is one trait that, or maybe even two or three traits that you want to cherry pick from the best teachers you had growing up that you're hoping that you can deliver to your future students? I'm hoping I can deliver curiosity and love for learning, confidence. I don't know how to say this in the right way, but some topic that you might not be at all interested in, if you just research it a little bit, you find that your level of interest for it exponentially expands, exponentially increases. And so if I can, and I try to do this with myself because there are some things I find wildly boring. Right. If I just do a, like finance stuff, I mm-hmm. recently started researching it. I'm like, oh, actually this isn't as boring as I thought it was. It, it's the... the being bored is almost uh, a side effect of being intimidated. Yeah, or not knowing what you're doing. And so to demystify something and to learn a little bit about it promotes further curiosity and further investment. Right, and I feel like that way with math a lot. A lot of Mm. people are scared of math, rightly so. Yeah. Some parts of math are really terrible, honestly. But it always makes me crazy when you talk to an English teacher about, oh, I want to, let's look at the data for... Uh, our students and how they're doing, and they're like, oh, I'm not a math person. It's like, no, you don't have to be a math person. And what does that even mean, I'm not a math person? Like you, People are not born math believe people. Believe me, these, te- these English teachers who are not <laughs> math people can 100% tell you what their paycheck should be and how much their uh, union dues are. Like, oh, they're definitely math people. They just, when they're approached with something new related to math, they feel intimidated and insecure, yeah. and so they go, I'm not a math person. And, the, I mean, that brings up a whole But they would definitely thing. tell you, hey, I was supposed to get paid for this meeting, and I saw in my pay stub that I didn't get... No, a, a, a person who's not a math person would just look at the numbers on the check and, and be go, like, sure. okay, yeah, sure. thank you. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, that's not a math person. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I feel like no one is born a math person. Mm. And to be a math person, you have to do repetition. Repetition, repetition, repetition. It's like learning a new language because it is a new it is, language. Yeah. And 
And I feel like these days, a lot of my students think, oh, if I'm not immediately good at something because they're used to being good at things, then they're bad at it. Mm -hmm. And with math, you have to practice. It takes a while. It does not come right away. It's those weird savants who it mm -hmm. comes right away for. But everyone else... It makes it look too easy. It they make it look makes easy. Makes us all feel bad, right? Or you're just used to immediately, or I know I was, getting the praise right away. And when you don't get the praise because you didn't do it right, you're like, oh, well, I'm good at other things. I'm not good at that. Done. Right. So what a lot of what you were talking about sounds like what we talk a lot about in education called growth mindset. Okay. Where uh, there are two types of mindsets. There's the fixed mindset, and then there's the growth mindset. A fixed mindset sits there and says, I'm not a math person, right? Or I can't do this. Right? Whereas a growth mindset person would say something like, I can't do this yet. Yet. Love right? that. It's this idea that, um, back to what we were talking about in the beginning, where it's, you know, you're afraid to raise your hand because you're not good at it and you're, not, you're never going to be good at it. Or they're just naturally good at it and that's why. Right. That's the fixed mindset, right? That's what you and I had as kids because we were, you know, in, in certain respects shamed into being so afraid of being wrong that we just never tried and we never thought we could. Uh, whereas the growth mindset, it's more about, look at my mistake. This is, this is the best mistake because from here you can see exactly what you did wrong and now you know that you shouldn't be doing it this way and now you've seen it and you're gonna grow, growth mindset, you're gonna grow from it and be stronger and better. And that's sort of what it sounds like you had from some of your teachers that you want to impart in your future students is uh, a safe place, a uh, place to be creative, and the ability to, uh, and the passion to have growth mindset, to be someone who's unafraid to fail, because yes. through failing, that's where the learning comes from, right? It's sort of like I, in an acting class, one of the teachers would say, dare to suck. Mm -hmm. it's, it's okay to fail. Yeah. Or in this one podcast I listened to, the guy with his kids at night does three things they're grateful for from the day, and one thing they failed at. Mm -hmm. It's like, how great to be cool with, hey, I failed at this. Because yeah. I grew up with a, let's be positive, let's always be yep. positive. And that is lovely for some things, but really detrimental for other things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you want to have, you want to build up self-esteem, but you also don't want to build up an intolerance for pain. Exactly. So... Uh, I think that's about wraps up Great. our interview portion. Do you want to, you know, I keep doing this thing where I keep calling them games, but they're not, sometimes they are games, but most of the times they're just segments. Uh, are you ready to play some segments? I don't, I have to work on my phrasing. Um, I think so. Great. Yes. Perfect. Okay. Okay, so our first segment, uh, we talked pretty extensively about you transitioning from actress full-time to teaching full-time. Uh, you want to teach elementary school. So here is your opportunity to fantasize because it's never going to be the ideal situation. But in an ideal world, describe what is your ideal classroom like. And it can be, you know, you can describe it physically if you want. You can describe the emotions that you would find in that classroom or anything else that you want to describe about that classroom? What is your ideal classroom like? Okay. Um, Coming from a place where you have no experience in classrooms. This <laughs> right, is why I'm I have no idea. I'm fascinated <laughs> so, to find out what you would say. Okay, so this will be my ideal, not at all real life at Perfect. all. Um, because I feel like real life might be 30 kids in a classroom. Yeah. 
Yeah. So yeah. yeah well, no. the elementary is a little different. But well, yeah. my ideal would be way less than that. My ideal would be eight to twelve kids with amazing. I know, crazy, right? <laughs> with amazingly cool Dream parents who I can. We have open dialogue with where we have. I know. I know you're laughing. You want adults we, in children's bodies, basically. <laughs> basically. But I want the... You want ad- central casting children to show up, be in your classroom, and then they have to go to the trailer where the real teacher teaches them math. But you had really great scripted moments. I want us to do fun bonding things. Great. Like, like give me... Oh, this is so ridiculous. Like, you know, give each other... Not me, but like have the kids find like one... This is so ridiculous. Find something they like about the other kid and say it out loud. Mm. Um, I want the parents to come in once a month for a parent workshop bettering their children. I want, I would have lots of, (laughs) oh my God, I'm so green. I would have lots of colorful things in the classroom, preferably that I didn't have to arrange myself because I'm the worst interior decorator. I hear that takes a ton of time. Sure. I would love to have all of the materials I need without having to pay for them myself. Okay, now you're in fantasy. I was with you for everything, and now you're in... But keep going. Right. I love I knew this. that was fantasy land. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. I also kind of knew 8 to 12 kids in a but, class is fantasy Well, that's land. true, too. But I was going to say, surprisingly, you are hitting some real things uh, that exist in schools, maybe not all schools, but you, you are hitting on uh, some real things. You know, you're talking about uh, sharing something positive... There are teachers who do things like, uh, there's this one teacher I, uh, I know who does a quote of the week, and it's basically, she gives her students the assignment to go find a, uh, a positive or uh, a quote of affirmation. And I they, love affirmations. They find the quote, and they have to pick a student in their class that they feel embodies this quote. And at the end of the week, they share the quote with the class, and then they explain who Im- they feel embodies this quote and why. And, of course, the other kid has no idea that they've been selected. And so they hear their name, Aww. and they're just like, they're beaming. And once they're selected, then they are the ones who the following week are assigned to do the same. And it's the quote of the week. So this is something that totally exists. I love that. In, in the world. So you're not just being green and hippy-dippy. And in terms of parent workshops, schools offer that all over the place. We have uh, one for our preschool. I mean, yes, it's 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 ubiquitous. And in terms of decorating your classroom, uh, okay. So uh, I will begrudging. To me, that does not sound like fun. No, honestly, no, but I will begrudgingly admit something that I don't admit too often because there is a world out there uh, in both teaching and parenting that I am not a fan of, and it's the Pinterest. Oh, God, me too. And, you know, it, it, so it, much pressure. Exactly. Your daughter's room, though, totally looks Pinterested. <laughs> it, it's like well, now you're just putting me right out there. I mean, okay, so the 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 pressure that it puts on parents or teachers that your classroom has to be this amazing thing, and it has to look beautiful, and there's no discussion of content in terms of how you deliver instruction to your students or what kind of parent you are it's just okay so my cake doesn't look exactly like a minion does that mean that I'm a bad parent no you might be the best parent but you suck at you know decorating a cake and that doesn't mean anything and the same thing with decorating your classroom but I will say this 
And this is where I begrudgingly, I begrudgingly uh, give approval to, some, to, the, to the Instagram, Pinterest community. It's beautiful. It is easy to find inspiration. It is easy That's to find true. something and go, I love that, I'm going to copy it. Yes. Do I think that it does a tremendous disservice to the confidence of parents and teachers across this land of ours? Yes. I have met numerous young teachers who think that the first thing that they need to tackle is how to create a beautiful classroom when really the first thing they should be tackling is how to deliver instruction and how to manage a classroom and all these things, right? But in terms of finding it, we live in this world that it is everywhere. It's everywhere and it's accessible. And so to hear someone like you go, I'm not good at this, but I'd love to have it. Well, yeah, you you can get that. You'll be fine. Uh, Thank you, Pinterest (laughs) and Etsy. The only time I will say that. Thank you, Pinterest. Oh, man. The other thing that I would love, which is also, I think it's being done more and more, maybe in preschools, maybe in elementary schools, is having an intelligence of emotions or an emotional intelligence. Mm. So kids know, oh my God, I'm having these really intense feelings. What do I do with them? Mm-hmm. And knowing that feelings don't go away if you push them down, you just have to go through them. Yeah. Because they're energy and energy keeps going and just, I don't know what I'm saying with that. No, but I I'd totally love to get it. have we, like, we, a, like a conversation about emotion so people yep. know, especially when they are learning, if they get frustrated with yep. something. Yep. Yeah, it's okay for you to feel how you're feeling. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be that person that's like, oh, be happy. When yeah, somebody once told happy. me that the key to life is not being able to exist necessarily happily, but being able to exist comfortably in uncomfortable situations because life is filled with uncomfortable situations. Yes. Something that I would encourage you, and of course I would encourage the audience as well, but I would encourage you since you're making this transition and as you're getting yourself ready to move into the classroom, it sounds like you already have about 50% of the restorative justice methods within you, but I think you'd really enjoy uh, exploring that world and learning how to transfer those skills into a classroom because restorative justice is all about not just dealing with your own feelings, but understanding that your actions have repercussions on other people and it creates other feelings within those people, which then shoots off to something else. And it's not so much, you know, a lot of people think that restorative justice is simply about uh, restoring the person who committed the bad act. It's really about restoring that person and the person who was put upon. Because that person, normally, you know, if a kid is a bully and they just really harass this one kid, what do adults mostly deal with? They deal with the bully and they teach that kid not to bully. They don't then go to that kid who was bullied and work with that kid to feel better. They just say, we're taking care of it. And that's it. That's, that's where you're supposed to deal. Right? Oh, okay, I guess they're taking care of it. I guess my emotions are done. Interesting. I actually wouldn't have thought it was that way. I would have thought right? that the person who's getting bullied would be dealt with more than no. the actual bully. But it's not like that these days? No, I mean, it's, it's not like that in general. It's we, we punish. We, we are far more punitive and that's where we put a lot of our attention on the kids who are doing wrong things. And we're really punitive when we put our focus on there. 
and we just sort of leave the other side of it alone. So if oh, if wow. I'm at school and a kid stole my lunch money, right? Well, we we will deal with it. Here's your money back. We will deal with that kid. And that's it. But there's no discussion between those two kids. Like, what you did made me feel sad and unsafe. Right. And I need you to know that. And then that kid says, I didn't mean for you to feel that way. I was, you know. So there's, there, I think you would really enjoy, uh, so I'm, I'm giving you professional development. You need hey, to go I'm open. to restorative justice restorative training. Justice. And I think you'd really. I've never even heard of that before. I think you'd honestly. love it. Restorative yeah. justice. Okay. Um, great. Well, listen, your classroom sounds amazing. And it sounds actually hopefully, very... Hopefully I'll be teaching some actual things also. I was going to say, <laughs> My kids are like, from, we have great feelings. We haven't learned anything. Right, but apart from the class size and apart from the uh, money tree that's growing behind your school where you can just get all the materials in the world, <laughs> uh, it sounds really realistic. And uh, yeah, I hope that once you get into it and you get started, you can share with us how it's going. Me and too. what it looks like. Because I, I, I bet it'll be great. It'd also be cool to to be a math teacher that people like that that demystifies part of the process, mm-hmm. just not geometry because um, I hate theorems, <laughs> hate hate the, theorems. You, you were you were so close to really wrapping yourself all the way around growth mindset, and then you're like, hey, except geometry. Oh my god, I should I I'll I'll work on that. It'll be a It'll be my next personal growth mission. There you go. We're back to growth mindset. Yes, Great. important. I, awesome. I brought it back. Excellent. I did a full 360. Geometry. Okay, so our next segment is actually going to be a new segment. We haven't done this before. Uh, It's something that I'm really excited to bring to the show. Uh, It's called Ask an Expert. And this is going to be an opportunity for you to ask anybody from any, any vocation, any environment, any anything, uh, something you've always wanted to know about that thing. So do you have a question that you would like to ask for one of our experts? Well, it might world? be for you and it might be personal. Uh-oh. Is, should I go ask for, something uh, a little uh, more no, generic? No, I mean, I, I can go into great detail I about mean, my underwear. I mean, for me, what I'm most interested in, I would love to know a moment or a story in your teaching world where you felt like you really made a difference for one kid or you had an intense experience with one of your students or Mm. you really connected with someone that you didn't know was going to happen. Is that too? No, no. I mean, it's, you know, I mean, that's those, those moments happen and you are never prepared for them because it's, you know, and they happen in so many different ways. Right, so you might say something to a student, or you might have this phrase that you use all year, and one day a student will say, "And you know what I learned the most this year was this thing that you said that one time, you know." And you're like going through your end of the year. What was the one thing you're going to take away from this year? And like, oh, this one thing you said this one time, and you're like, "Wow, everything I say has weight because you've never, you never know who's going to like glom onto that thing." Right? I had a student who was in middle school who uh, came in uh, to class and was like, Mr. West, I can't work with this person. And I was like, why? Well, we were best friends, but then blah, 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 blah. You know, it's like middle school drama. And I said, well, here's the thing. You know, we are halfway through this project. 
and I, I validate your feelings and I, I completely get it and that is really frustrating and I can imagine the level of stress you had and the sense that you had to even come and talk to me about this. I said, so here's the deal that I'm gonna make with you. If it's so bad that you cannot work together at all, like it's just impossible, I will figure something out. But what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to sit and I'd like you to try because again, it's not fair to the other people in your group that you and this one person are having these issues that you're just gonna sort of invalidate all the work that they've done so far, but also, and this is just you know a hard truth of life, you're going to have to work with people you don't like. It's just, it is what it is. Like, do you think that I've loved every single person I've ever worked with? The answer is absolutely not. But you're just going to have to learn how to do that. And this is literally the whole conversation that I had. And this was, uh, you know, like a February conversation. And then we get to June and we're, you know, I'm having the kids write the reflections on the year and this and that. What's the best thing you learned this year? And kids are always talking about Romeo and Juliet and this and that. And she wrote, the best thing I learned this year was that you aren't going to always like the people that you work with, but you have to get it done. And it was just like, oh, okay, great. Um, that is going to serve that person so well in life. Yeah. And the fact that they glommed onto it. You know what I mean? You, just, yeah. you never know what you say and how it's going to hit a certain student a certain way and how it's going to matter. Um, you know, and this is, again, as a teacher, you, you're never going to know how much you matter yeah. to a student. You will have students that you barely talk to, and the next year, when they're not in your class, they will come to your room every day at lunch just to hang out. And you're like, you, we never spoke. Uh, all of a sudden, now you want to have a, uh, like this, I mean, I'm happy to be here, but I just didn't think that you had any feelings about me or this classroom or anything. And here you are coming in, talking to me every day about your new classes or whatever, that's so cool. And, and, and that's, that's one of the harder things about teaching is that, you know, as rewarding as it is in so many ways, you almost never see the fruits of your labors. You almost never see the impact that you have because the impact that you have on your students isn't always instant. It comes sometimes years later. And yeah. you might know it if you keep in touch with them, they might know it if they're reflective, but sometimes nobody knows. Nobody knows. They don't know that you've done this and that this is the seed you planted. You don't know because you don't get to see that. Uh, and that's just something that you've put out into the universe and you have to have faith that it is going to matter. But it's, yeah. again, it's like you're putting something out in the, into the universe and you never know if it's ever going to come back. It's, you know, it's like uh, yelling out at the Grand Canyon, right? Like yeah. you might hear that echo come the back. The end of Garden State. <laughs> you, you might hear the echo come back or you might not yeah and when you do it's really cool yeah and when you don't it's okay it's too. okay because you yeah. just yelled at the Grand Canyon and the sound is out there you know it's out there yeah you just it might not come back yeah that's cool somehow this became a segment about me <laughs> no because I I feel like that's the most interesting you know, personal stories and yeah. people who are in it well this is this is what you're going to discover when you get into the classroom that you're going to love those kids to death and you're going to send them off and you're going to go, I think I had an impact, but you'll never know just how much of an impact. I mean, think about the teachers you mentioned in, in the interview. Yeah. You mentioned like three or four teachers totally. that you loved. Oh, and those weren't even all of them. I, I mean, but like th so think about how many of them knew you feel this way to this day about them. Yeah, I've often thought about, you know, because sometimes 
super successful business people will say, I start the morning by either sending an email or sending a card to someone I'm grateful for to thank them. I think this teacher, though, knows how awesome I thought he was. But Mr. Schlatter, he was amazing. You know, like, why don't I do that? I don't know. Yeah. There are only so many hours in the day. Okay, so we've come to the saddest part of the show where we have to wrap up and say goodbye. Uh, But before we do, uh, I do this thing with every one of my guests. I ask them to, you know, I'm a teacher and the stereotype is that we give homework. I don't give homework and there's a whole bevy of reasons why I don't give homework. Um, But I would very much like for you, just like I do with all my other guests, to give a homework assignment to me and the listeners. What is one thing we can do between now and next week uh, that you think would that we would benefit from? It could be check out this TV show, uh, go see this movie, read this book, try this type of food, maybe look into going to this country on a vacation. Ooh, what is one, one homework assignment? That, and it can literally be anything. Okay. Pick something that bores you to all get out. That just you're like, oh, I do not. I'm not interested in this. This is boring. I fall asleep when I think about this subject. And just do a tiny bit of research, like three minutes of research. Read an article about it and see if that changes the way you feel about that particular subject. That would be my first. And my second would have to do with meditation because I love it and I think it makes all the difference in the world. There's this kind of meditation called breathwork meditation. Mm. You get to lay down the entire time. And you know how meditation oftentimes will be like, focus on your breath. And you're like, yeah, I'm focused on my breath, but I'm thinking 40,000 other thoughts about what I need to do and what I'm going to eat after I'm done with this. And (laughs) I would recommend to anyone, because I found it to be a giant game changer in my life, checking out this thing called breathwork meditation. It's a friggin' game changer. Nice. So explore something new that you don't know much about. Grow mentally and emotionally and then regenerate take a moment pause that was so much more eloquent than i put it yes that's exactly what i meant to say i think that's a really good homework assignment and i think we should all definitely strive to do that not just this week but every week always for life and uh thanks for coming by namaste um thank you so much for having me this was really fun oh good all right yay Okay, that is our show. Thanks again to my very special guest, my pal and soon-to-be teacher friend, Miriam Korn. And of course, thank you, my pod classmates, for listening. Now, I know I've asked this before, but if you wouldn't mind, please go right to the pod class homepage on whatever platform you get the show and give my show a five-star rating. The more ratings the show gets, the easier it will be for new people to find it. And while you're at it, if you give the show a written review, take a screen grab of the post and email it to me at podclasspod, that's podclasspod at gmail.com, you will be entered to win a $50 Amazon gift card. Again, that's $50, I read somewhere that over 90% of people who have purchased something online have used Amazon. Yikes. So review my show email me the screenshot, and win $50 to add to the monopoly on everything that Amazon already has. Think of it as a win-win. Only Jeff Bezos is really the one winning twice. Oh, and don't forget to come back next week for our mini-pod show. Hey, I like that title. It's going to be my first show back from summer break, so it'll definitely be worth listening to. That's all for this week. 
Pod class dismissed.